while most banks in the last two years plus have made announcements to go to public cloud, the workload migration level, the percentage, is actually quite small. It's an early phase. So I would say while I think the strategic acceptance or the need for digital transformation, it's been very well received, the actual action of migration is still a work in progress. Welcome to the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. Week after week, you'll hear from top experts on how to avoid obstacles, manage detours, and celebrate milestones on the journey to world-class performance. Hello, I'm Jay Ruffin, your host for today's podcast. I'll facilitate the conversation. Today, Jonas Johannes joins us. Jonas is cloud CTO for Oracle, specializing in financial services. Also joining is Matt Williams. Matt is in Hackett's strategy and operations group. And Matt has assisted in conducting some of the research that we've done with Oracle focused on cloud and financial services. We've partnered with Oracle to create a series of information on emerging needs for FSI, specifically focused around the cloud platform and FSI solutions. This is the first in a five-part series. So let's jump in. So Jonas, the events of the last two years have permanently changed, I think, the banking business. Everything from COVID forcing customers to leverage online platforms as the only point of contact, to the general need of consumers because of COVID to ask for simpler, faster, more technically friendly ways of doing business. I mean, life under pandemic conditions just amplified many of these desires coming from customers. I was recently reading that 89% of customers, including 97% of millennials, were using mobile banking. This transformation, you know, driven by COVID largely is driving uh, some of the recent phenomena by banks to consolidate their branch footprints, I think. So, Jonas, from your perspective, how do banks meet the challenge of keeping their customers happy during these unprecedented times? Jay, that's a good question. Uh, yes, I think that's also our observation. I think while the move to the mobile channel, in particular by millennials, was already in the process was accelerating. What the pandemic have done is basically doubled or tripled the acceleration into going to mobile, not only by the millennials, but by other baby boomers and so on and so forth. So the other thing, it is actually put a lot of pressure on banks to do their digital transformation faster. Now, it's not that the banks were not on a journey to digital transformation. Some of our clients have started their journey since 2014, but the process was going relatively slow. What this have done is it make it very critical for banks to jump. It's not just a pandemic, though. I think we have to be cognizant that things are changing in general in the financial service arena, particularly in the banking space. What we're seeing is a new entrance, which includes big tech, fintech, and retailers and others really entering and providing banking service of different forms. Also, I think, you know, the big other challenge which banks face includes 
the acquisition of talent. In particular, with banks, they have a dual pain points. One is the retirement of boomers and others who know the legacy applications. And on the other side of the equation, it is the acquisition of new uh, engineers support the new technology by digital. So to answer your question, banks, what they need to do is, you know, need to find a different strategic approach to solve this problem, not the list, find a way to partner with some of the fintechs and big techs instead of taking them heads on. The other one is to have a better understanding of the expectation of the new customer, which includes actually different flavors of customer, and try to deliver to their needs. The new customer includes the not only the demographic change, the millennials, but also they have external customers, which are traditionally have served them with channels in the branch, ATM, mobile, and internet, but also have a large portion of the knowledge workers migrating to working from home. So banks have to also deliver solution platforms, which allows the team members to be effective. The third customer slash partner that we need to uh, focus, you know, bank needs to provide a platform where the potential competition for fintech, they can convert it into cooperation or at least a partnership to do that. So that is one of the biggest challenges that they have. And they have to do that still with the banking regulation. Banking, obviously, it's a highly regulated environment. And they have to do it in a very efficient way. Banks still have to watch their margins. And they do it also at the speed of the channel. What I mean by that is, you know, they have to have products delivered to uh, the new the, to the uh, clients, you know, at the speed of their new expectation. That's what they need to do. Do you think the competition is driving, I've seen one pundit call it, the quality of experience? Meaning it's not just based on transactions. It's based largely on, regardless of who you might be, the quality of the experience you would have given your kind of interaction with the bank. Do you think that's driving it as well? Yeah, the quality of experience effectively, it is predicated on the, on the expectation of the new, let's call it a new customer. And that is not only deliver solutions where, where I want it to be delivered to, so it's at the desire of a customer but also deliver the right solution or the right product, the right service to the new customer. You know, customer expects you to know their needs and wants and deliver what matters to them rather than marketing to, to them in a shotgun effect. Therefore, the quality is basically really anchored on those needs. So what banks need to think, you know, rather having a transactional view of a customer, they have to approach the customer in a context of client or customer engagement. In other words, stitch together the different parts of client engagement from the awareness you know, of the bank and their products and their services and why the customer should care. To have robust mechanisms or value-add mechanisms to acquire the customer, so customer acquisition. When once you acquire them, rather than transactionally interact with the customer, you, know, you want to have a much more robust relationship with the intent of retaining the customer and rewarding the customer for being a good partner or a good uh, client. That's really the, the new normal. Jonas, as we look at the financial services industry as a whole, 
Are there specific subsets of the industry where companies are seeing more success in their digital transformations? Yeah, I think entity of the uh, financial services who are uh, seeing uh, accelerated timed transformation include both uh, consumer banking and wealth management and investment banking. Almost all the two major divisions are seeing some great success. Now, that said, the need for digital transformation and uh, the intuition how to go there in some banks, you know, is sophisticated and they actually are making decent progress. In other banks, not as much. One of the elements or a key critical items to your transformation, you can gauge to understand, you know, which ones are making a lot more progress or have accelerated progress is the cloud, particularly all cloud in general, right? If you gauge that, while most banks in the last two years plus have made announcements to go to public cloud and have chosen the Azure, the workload migration level, the percentage is actually quite small. It's an early phase. So if we have a client, for example, which they have set goals this year, two and a half years into their contract with the CSP cloud service provider that they want 10% of their workloads to move by this year and 40% by next year. So I would say while I think the strategic acceptance or the need for digital transformation, it's been a very, very well received, the actual action of migration is still a work in progress. Okay, great. I think those are all very good points. Now, when we look at fintechs, we've seen that they're all large sources of innovation and competitive threats as well as partners and disruptors, how do banks employ these new technologies to help them achieve their growth targets? If I understand your question is in the presence of fintech and other entrants, how do banks achieve there or how, how do fintech achieve that? Can you clarify the question, please? Sure. So how do companies within the financial services industry leverage technology in the same way that fintechs do to help them achieve their growth targets? So let's just... Look at fintech. Fintech have the benefit of not having any legacy solution present and quickly deciding what to do in general, opting for a cloud native solution, right? And as such, fintech are very nimble and they can provide you cloud native solutions right from the get go. On the other hand, if you take a look at the banks, they have a very sizable, in fact, the entire technology landscape that they use to power their solution to their customer, it's legacy. Most of their core banking applications are still sitting on um, mainframe. So as such, banks come with quite a bit of friction present, which results from the complexity they have acquired over the years. So let's call that the accidental architecture they find themselves in, right? So one of the things they need to do, banks, is to find a way of simplifying the current current technology landscape to be nimble and flexible. And there are multiple strategic imperative approach they can use that. You know, one is in terms of what solution I deliver, it might be wise to understand what the fintechs are delivering in the marketplace and find a way to partner with them. That's A. B, it is, you know, obviously banks need to figure out how to remove the, the inherent friction in the current legacy structure that I have. And one way to do that is, you know, via modernization, leveraging cloud. And then 
make sure that in doing that, they look into their play, the run books, the playbooks that they have used in the past on their uh, post-merger integration. There's a lot to be learned in how to modernize, how to go to the new normal from large post-merger integrations. Fourth and last is, you know, what we are really seeing is modernization becomes more difficult and risk if you execute it by simply going to general purpose cloud platforms. So what banks may be able to do is, you know, to really look for partners that have fit for purpose cloud platforms and try to partner with them to make the modernization just like a post-merger integration, like-to-like. What a fit-for-purpose cloud platform is, it is a platform which is specifically made for banks, both from at every level of the solution stack, providing both a technology and a scale and a performance that banks expect and demand, but also on top of that, provide to the extent possible out-of-the-box solutions in the development factory, for example, provide APIs and no-code workflows, which are banking-specific, which allow them to assemble solutions very quickly. And also, all other elements of the platform need to be banking in nature, making the modernization much more you know, risk-free and faster to, to result. So Jonas, I had a question. Given all that, kind of if you look across the current market today, is there anybody that's doing it well, you know, from a fit for purpose perspective? I mean, I've seen research and articles on a variety of different companies or banks, I should say, or financial institutions like Navy Federal Credit Union. I've read some stuff on them. Their CEO came out talking about radical simplicity and kind of having an emotional connection with their members and doing a lot of the stuff you're talking about with regards to modernizing. I read some stuff on Wells Fargo as, as well. They're doing some things that look interesting. But is, is there anybody that you can think of that kind of, if you had to put up as a poster child for some of the stuff we're talking about, they are uh, a good representation of kind of the right way to do it? The answer is there is an emergence and the, an understanding in the marketplace that across the CSP cloud service providers, that fit for purpose may be the, the way to go, right? There are slow movement observing into the traditional general purpose solution providers. But certainly, I think Oracle is already way ahead into that thinking to the extent that Oracle actually have a very robust core banking application solution, which and they have been in this market for 20, almost 20 years. They have actually, they have actually optimized their Oracle Cloud Platform OCI to meet the needs of the bank both by testing it and test harden it from a resiliency perspective, from a specific banking solution perspective, for example, on the payment side, providing 1500 API straight out of the box where you can uh, assemble very quickly to deliver payment solutions and so on and so forth. The other thing is also testing some of the banking solution components that need a lot of performance and scale testing them for them from the get-go. So I would say like, you know, Oracle, and I think I anticipate that others to come to veer towards a fit for purpose, coming at it both from pre-built solutions, like banking solutions, also coming out from the top down through partnership. That's that's what I anticipate. 
Now, Jonas, in the past several years, we've seen that cybersecurity has become a C-suite and boardroom imperative. How do you go about driving innovation in financial services while also enhancing cybersecurity? One of the things that most CSP platforms have done in the last few years, you know, is try to embed uh, security solutions uh, from the get-go. Of this CSP, I think, you know, to the extent that Oracle have, you know, revamped with this cloud um, platform in the last few years, right after AWS and Azure, we're seeing more and more the embedding of security, not only from protecting the customer perspective, but from actually making cybersecurity as an integral part of the resilience strategy so that you have a system which is not only safe, but is also running and delivering the solution as it should, you know, 24-7, 365. One of the mechanisms that Oracle really seeing is, you know, looking at resilience from a perspective of having the capability of the ability to detect, the ability to prevent, the ability to respond, and the ability to recover and self-service, leveraging AI and ML mechanisms to um, uh, ensure that resilience is in place. Also, cybersecurity also is an integral part of that in terms of detecting, preventing, responding, you know, recovering, and self-help. Jonas, do you think that the cloud has become a foundational component because of the cybersecurity concerns that companies are facing today? Certainly, the cloud increases the attack surface of every client. However, that wasn't the only reason. I think cybersecurity was an issue even without for on-premise applications to the extent they have, they're still serving clients in the internet. So cyber attacks will occur with or without cloud. One quick follow-up to that, you understand, get your perspective. Again, I've done some reading on, on the cybersecurity side. and Some companies have, there were myths around kind of cloud and cybersecurity. Some thinking uh, having one perspective in terms of safety, others having another. But there are also, I think, some lessons learned about what kind of the recipients of a cloud platform should be doing. For an example, you have to really have your the data within your application secure. You have to be able to reinforce security policies and procedures you already have to ensure that the the stuff you're going to leverage in the cloud is secure. So I think that there's kind of a handshake that has to happen when folks are moving to leverage a cloud platform to ensure that it's it's kind of bulletproof. And I think that's kind of another myth is that, oh, I just go to the cloud, everything's going to work. It's it's no, you have to do some stuff on your side to ensure that there is some level of security before you actually can ensure that everything's bulletproof. Is that is that kind of your perspective too? Or do you think folks get it and that's kind of a, that's a myth really? If attack occurs on your organization and there's a disruption, the buck stops on the customer and specifically on the executives in charge of that, not on necessarily on the cloud or on the partner, right? So to that extent, you know, my view of that is you should never really outsource that. You should still be, you know, while I think the actual technology construction can be done by capable partners, the policy procedures and processes that govern cybersecurity, you know, and the governance of it, and, you know, should always be held by the bank. You, the bank, have the fiduciary responsibility, and you have a responsibility of protecting all your customers. So that should be firmly handled by the bank. And uh, if you need to partner, we should do partner, partner with the best experts, best cloud service providers, ensure that you have 
robust cybersecurity solution in place with your policy and procedures and governance. You're in charge. Gotcha. Matt, you had a question. Yeah. So, Jonas, going back to the fit-for-purpose digital banking cloud platform that you introduced before, what are some of the key components in this new model that you think are are important to emphasize? Oh, that's a good question. As I uh, spoke earlier on a fit-for-purpose, a fit-for-purpose, it's a platform which is specifically designed for that industry, in this case, for the bank. And it provides solutions and services that general purpose platforms are not able to provide. What's the recipe of the fit for purpose? Obviously, I think you will have the top of the general purpose IS cloud platform. You want to bankify all solution components of that platform to make A, for example, the developer much more effective. You do that by taking the development factory on the platform and providing banking APIs and uh, no code and workflows that are banking nature so that you can minimize the amount of code you lay down and maximize your ability to assemble a capability or solution quickly. In terms of the container set, you want to really bankify the container architecture which is specifically designed for bank and it responds to bank needs. In terms of the API and integration strategy, you want to have to bankify the structure with open API and uh, banking-specific data integration mechanisms. Right out of the box, a fit-for-purpose will have banking data models right out of the box, which make much more pleasant in terms of modeling. And also, I think last but not least, probably, you want to have the any data science, any ML and AI that you use to have a very strong affinity to, to, towards banking. In other words, models you can use and configure specifically for banking. An example of that would be the credit analysis you know, model, for example. The other thing you probably will be important is know that the for the fit for purpose, the extent possible to have strong affinity to some banking Solutions. In other words, for example, of that will be channel solutions, the banking product solutions, and cross product solutions, banking regulatory solutions like KYC and so on and so forth, and fraud detection and crime lab solutions. It's another thing which I expect to see on a platform. Last but not least, I think, you know, to the extent that banks, they will be well served to build a platform, a banking platform of their own which have the capability of supporting an ecosystem of partners, including competing fintechs, you want to provide a mechanism that enables a platform ecosystem, which allows banks to partner and uh, hopefully neutralize some of their fintech competition instead of competing head-on with them. That's, to me, the F4P uh, platform. And Jonas, in terms of, uh, and you mentioned some of this, but I just want to make sure it's kind of understood. What, What level of integration do you think is fundamental for that platform, you know, for really to get full value out of the the fit-for-purpose platform that you're talking about? When I, for example, talk about core banking applications, it is desirable, but not necessary, that you will have all the core components, you know, fully integrated to the solution set. But while I think clients may choose best-in-class solution where they can buy, for example, the DDA line 
a product solution versus the loan solution for two different companies and integrate them. The platform must provide them a mechanism to integrate between the two solution components. So that's why I think the partner ecosystem is very important. Not only that the partner is building the solution, but it's just building the solution within the platform context, APIs and other necessary contracts that allow the two components to talk to one another. So I think NetNet is, you know, clients will do what fits best their needs in terms of how to construct the solution. The platform must enable that and must make it really easy to make that happen. Well, the other thing I was thinking about is if you think about the banking industry, it's heavy in terms of its dependence on collections, processing, and kind of data dissemination. And when you hear those things, you think AI and machine learning and and that type of stuff. Are there things from your perspective that you think the CIOs should be thinking about today to kind of position that, given some of the things we've been talking about with Fit for Purpose? Yeah, I think one of the things is, you know, the Fit for Purpose is expected to have a banking data model, which is one of the recipe elements that will make the exchange of data very easy. In other words, you are basically mapping your data from one to the other to a data model that the platform facilitates the process, right? And most importantly, whether it is the data, it is pushed downstream to an ML and AI or is given to other downstream channel applications, having, having control on the data and having a model data built into the platform, it's a very, very important ingredient that will make a platform much more readily consumable by banking CIOs. Well, Jonas, I think this has been a, an insightful, information-packed conversation. And to your point, I think we have many more conversations to come about not only the fit-for-purpose model, but also things around, you know, how do you implement it? What are the trends that we think are kind of leading folks in that direction, as well as what are some good examples of, you know, what's coming? And I think from an Oracle perspective, you guys are working on a few things that might be good to also introduce and talk about in uh, some of the episodes to come. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And we'll be talking with you in the next episode. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can find the audio, helpful resources, and a transcript of each episode at podcast.thehackagroup.com. If you liked this episode, please share it. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. We'd welcome your feedback by tapping the rating on this or any episode, or send us an email at podcast at thehackagroup.com. The Hackett Group is a global leader in defining and enabling world-class performance. Learn how we can assist with your improvement journey at www.thehackagroup.com. Thank you.